It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. JT, back with you on a Monday here on a great week hopefully a great week ahead a lot of Raiders news a build up to the 49er game last preseason game of the year brought to you by M Resort Spa and Casino that's where we host all the road pre and post games and I wanted to spend a few minutes and tell you about that because that made for a really interesting Saturday Uh, for the first time in my career I've never missed a Manny Pacquiao fight I've missed one in Vegas Obviously, I missed it because my priority is the Raiders and that gig and doing that with Eric Allen. It was fantastic. We had a great time. I was able to get updates from the Pacquiao fight. SummerSlam was in town. Not that I'm interested. Maybe you are. Maybe you went with the kids, had a good time. But Saturday night was pretty big. So I got to the M at about 3.15, 3.15 in the afternoon because the pregame, we got to be on the set at 4 and the pregame starts at 5. And we wanted to check it out. And we were right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. If you haven't been to the Raiders Tavern and Grill, the Raiders have a theme restaurant inside M Resort, really close to the team facility, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, very close at M Resort. And it's a really high-end, great resort, fantastic amenities, the pool, the suites, everything's nice if you've been there. So... We went there, got there, and our stage is set up. They set up a staging area for us with TVs right next to blackjack tables right outside the front. So if you go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill, you'll see us. And a lot of times this year we're going to be on the air at 10 in the morning, you know, 10, 15 in the morning for the pregame show for those 1 o'clock games. Again, only when the Raiders were on the road. So I got set up there. Then I went into the Raiders Tavern right in front. Two of our premier sponsors are there. You walk in, and they have the Modelo Cantina, so the front bar is all draped with Modelo. Looks great, and I had myself a Modelo uh, before the game. Just one, you know, just one little Modelo. Beautiful. Saw a lot of fans at the bar, wanted to buy me more. Said, no, we got the show. It's going to be a long night, but was there. And then the back bar is Remy Martin. So I sat down with my wife and a couple of friends, my best friends in town, uh, for a couple of weeks here, and we had a nice meal. And we sat down, and then I left and went on the pregame show with Eric Allen. And it was a fun pregame show. We just previewed what was going on in Los Angeles with the Rams, Raider fans. And the week that was, the fights. And the fights breaking out at that final practice. So as soon as that ended, the pregame show, I emceed an event downstairs at the M in their ballroom for their VIP customers, all their gamers, all of their customers that gamble there. And that was a lot of fun. That was with Marcel Reese who's the senior advisor to the owner, Mark Davis, and Darren McFadden, one of the greatest college football running backs of all time, once a Raider, always a Raider. So we did a chalk talk. We brought those two gentlemen on stage, and I interviewed them about being Raiders and their careers and about this team. They took questions from the crowd, and then it got a little bit interesting. They brought football's fabulous females out, the Raiderettes, and they put on a dance exhibition And then four volunteers, four women from the audience came up and had to learn to dance to the autumn wind during a Raider game. Very interesting. Nice volunteers. They pulled it off, I guess. 
The Raiderettes were fabulous. Very patient in teaching that. And then I did what I did best. I read out raffle tickets. And they had a 500 free play and 750 and a $1,000 free play. And then the grand prize was an autographed Raiders helmet. Check this out. Signed by Fred Bolitnikoff, Marcus Allen, and Jim Plunkett. And one of the VIPs won that, which was great. And then Mark, um, Darren McFadden and Marcel took pictures for two hours. You talk about guys being generous with their time. They sat, stood in the corner, and they took selfies, signed autographs, and were so gracious with their time. They were fantastic. And then after that, I went back to the M upstairs, and then we did the post-game show. And the post-game show went to about 11.30, at night. So pregame started at 5. We wrapped up there before midnight. We had a nice crowd there at the end. So that was a lot of fun. Appreciate everybody at M. And that's what really a good relationship is all about. You know, we have a better relationship here in Vegas than we had in the Bay Area because the Bay Area really didn't care much about the Raiders. The fans did. But the partners there on radio didn't. And this is night and day. I mean, this is fantastic what we're doing now and everything that's going on. So, again, thanks to the M. Pat Durkin, everybody over there who did such a nice job. And we had a great time. And my wife and uh, two of my friends and my best friend, we had five of us there. And all they did all night was rave about the service and the professionalism and everybody over there. So, you know, I like to take care of our partners here on the radio. That's how I do it. I wanted to talk about that. Big story today. We found out from Vic Tafer in The Athletic that the Raiders called the Bears ahead of free agency to ask about a Khalil Mack trade and reunion and the Raider internet almost broke today so people are trying to get their head wrapped around this of why how could this happen for three days after trading Khalil Mack I remember it I was there with the Raiders when Mack left we knew that Gruden had to explain what happened there I know this story very very well because I know Khalil and I knew that the fact that his agent Joel Siegel was just a mercenary for money So Khalil got $60 million cash guaranteed right out of the gate on that $90 million deal. The Raiders couldn't afford that at that point in time. They weren't going to do it. They weren't good enough. If you recall, that's when Gruden was breaking down the roster and evaluating it. Of course John Gruden knew that Mack was the best defensive player in the league. Gruden didn't want to get rid of Khalil Mack. That wasn't his goal. Gruden told me, Many times when he took over the Raiders, he couldn't wait to coach Khalil Mack. Financially, it didn't work. If they paid Khalil, they'd have a team that wouldn't be a playoff team, and they wouldn't be able to go out and get players that they wanted to get. From Josh Jacobs, who they got in that trade with that exact pick, and other players now that are the core of the Raiders. And Khalil's gone on. Khalil's a great player. He's one of my favorite Raiders that we've ever had here, even though he's a Bear now. And he hasn't gone on to greatness with that team, That team's a mess right now, figuring out Andy Dalton or if they're going to go with Justin Fields. So they're confused, but Mack is a great player. So I'm not shocked by this. This was great reporting by Vic, who said the Bears had significant salary cap issues, which forced them to release all-pro cornerback Kyle Fuller and restructure several contracts. And the Raiders thought it was worth a shot. The Bears were not interested. The Raiders went ahead and signed Yannick Ngakwe to a two-year, $26 million contract. Now, I was on that story and got that one right. I knew Yannick was coming here. But again, we're not talking about $60 million in guarantees on a $90 million contract. 
And I don't think Yannick Ngakwe is Khalil Mack. But they got really good value for a lot less money. So the Raiders aren't going to be talking about this. You're not going to be hearing them getting into this. But as Vic pointed out, Gruden faced the media backlash when he traded Mack for a bunch of draft picks, including two first-rounders nine days before the 2018 season opener. And says a lot. It says a lot about his tunnel vision for the playoffs that he wouldn't care about what people would say about him trading to reacquire Mac. And that's really the key to this column by Vic. Life moves on. If you think there's value now and you don't have to give up two first rounders for Khalil, you feel like the team financially, because they're in Vegas, can handle this contract for whatever reason. And he adds exactly what the Raiders need right now, more of a pass rush. You look at it. What would they have had to give up? Well, that's the show. That's open to speculation. Would you have to trade? If you brought Mac back, what would you have to give up? At least a first-round pick. Would it be Max Crosby? Would it be Cleveland Farrell and two other players? I don't know. There's no speculation or never talk about that. But I think it's really important, the fact that if the Raiders did consider doing this, it's because the Raiders want to win. I ran into Khalil. He, he did something so nice to me in the London game. He was warming up in the end zone. He saw me. He came over in the end zone to me, took off his helmet. We shook hands. I said, how you doing? Hope your family's well. Great, JT. Good to see you. Raiders won that game. And I walked off the field saying, what an unbelievable human being Khalil Mack is. Upon completing the trade, remember, a lot of people don't talk about this. The Bears signed Mack to a six-year, $141 million contract extension. He's entering his fourth season with Chicago, and he had to restructure his contract this offseason to help the Bears. He has a cap hit this season of $14.6 million. The cap hit next year jumps to $30 million. So we'll see what happens here and what goes on. I don't think Khalil Mack's going to be a Raider. Uh, if they were interested, good. You know, they're interested in doing deals, and the Raiders are never closing out the potential to do a deal, and they're evaluating players all the time. But the Raiders received the Bears' 2019 first-round pick, which they used on Josh Jacobs, and their first-rounder in 2020 on backup Damon Arnett. That's where this stinks, that Arnett is a part of this MAC deal, and Arnett is not available, and Arnett has not lived up to this so far. They also received a 2019 sixth-round pick that they traded away and a 2020 third-round pick that they used on Brian Edwards who indications are he's going to be a heck of a Raider receiver. In addition to Mac, the Bears received the Raiders' 2020 second-round pick, tight end Cole Gamet, and a 2027th-round pick. They got an offensive lineman, Arlington Hambright. I never understood why the Raiders uh, gave up that pick in the Khalil Mack deal. Never understood it at all. Never understood why they had to. You're telling me the Bears would have walked away from that deal if the Raiders didn't throw in? That pick, I never understood that. Never got that, but that was part of the deal. I thought the Raiders should have played hardball and not given up that pick and just did a basic deal with the Bears. Raiders not giving up a pick back to them and just did the deal the way they did for those first-round picks and everything they got. And Jacobs is living up to the hype. Last season, 2000 uh, combined. Pro Bowl last season, if you look at what uh, what's happened in his career over two seasons, 2,215 yards and 19 touchdowns. Mack has 30 sacks, 29 tackles for loss, 14 forced fumbles, 45 quarterback hits in 46 games. 
in three seasons with Chicago. That's pretty good. That's really good. 30 sacks, and the Raiders could use those sacks. So I know everybody wanted to talk about this. Vic did an unbelievable job. Everybody could take a look at it over at The Athletic. If you're a subscriber, and you should subscribe for Vic because he does a really good job along with the Raiders who cover the Raiders. But I'm a Khalil Mack guy. And when I saw that, I said, ooh, this is going to be good for the radio show today. And, you know, the Raiders now have a linebacker problem because of Javin White's injury and what's going on with Nicholas Morrow's foot. I believe there will be action towards another linebacker being added into that linebacker room. We'll see how that develops as I'm out of practice this week. And we're talking some of, to some of the insiders on the show. Well, once again, we'll be back at the M Resort Spa and Casino. And we'll be there for the pregame show and the postgame show whenever the Raiders are on the road, which includes this Sunday as they take on the San Francisco 49ers and all this Trey Lance talk. It's going to be a big deal. Battle of the Bay. Niners have more to talk about because of Trey Lance. And the Raiders are just not playing their starters. And they did play a couple of guys who got nicked up. And now there is cause for concern. The Raiders can't afford to start off this season injured with guys in the tub and guys rehab. And it's a part of the business, but something John Gruden wanted to move on from. And I think John Gruden's been very careful with these players at practice. But you knew deep down, as I told Eric Allen on the pregame show, you knew deep down that going to Los Angeles for joint practices and playing a game, someone or multiple players would get nicked up. It's professional football. It's a dangerous game. Your opinion on Mac is what I just said and what the Raiders need to do at linebacker. 702-365-9200 is your number. When I talk X's and O's or I talk about Khalil Mack, it's Remy Martin. Remy Martin team up for excellence. Go check out the Remy Martin presentation inside the Raiders Tavern and Grill as we continue on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Lance on third and four, dropping back to pass, firing over the middle. Travis Benjamin's got a touchdown. That's Niners television. Trey Lance's touchdown. I'll get to that in a minute. JT, back with you. Hey, everybody, I leave Mondays open. We try to have less guests on Mondays because during the season, we want to get more fans coming on after the games on Sunday. So Monday is my day to get you on the radio. Let's get going here. It's been a little quiet today, and we got injuries, and we got a lot of stuff happening here. And Raider fans should have opinions because we had L.A. Raider fans who went to that game. 702-365-9200 on your concern with the Raider injuries. And I just looked up, and Vinny Bonsignor, uh, just posted his column. Raiders might be interested in K.J. Wright, but money is a factor. So Vinny wrote, it could mean checking in again with veteran free agent K.J. Wright, the longtime Seahawks standout linebacker who visited the Raiders two weeks ago. It also means a crash course for rookie Divine Diablo, who was recently cleared for practice. And that's a good thing. I think Diablo was drafted to come in and play. And then Vinny just wrote a foot injury to starter Nicholas Morrow and a leg injury to emergent second-year linebacker Javin White of UNLV will sideline both players for extended periods, pushing the depth chart to its limits. So now it comes down to what is K.J. Wright asking for. 
Wright is the logical target given his relationship with Gus Bradley, for whom he played two years in Seattle. The Raiders are clearly interested now more than ever due to injuries. But while the 10-year veteran makes sense, a person with knowledge of the situation indicated money is a factor in terms of Wright's asking price for the Raiders. So you would think that he'd have a little bit of leverage here because Wright knows that the Raiders need a linebacker. Vinny writes, in the meantime, the Raiders will try to bridge the injury gaps with their current group, with Kwiatkowski probably moving back to a starting role. Tanner Muse potentially being asked to take on more responsibility. And then the rest of the guys are just average guys. So provided Diablo stays healthy on the health path, he's expected to get a look this week at practice against the 49ers. So I'm sure Vinny's going to talk about this in depth on his show and something we can get ahead of and talk about here if you think K.J. Wright now becomes a extreme priority to get this team back on track. And I, I think it is. I always thought K.J. Wright was a good player, but if, if he's holding out, he's holding out for injury. He wants to see a team that suffers an injury at linebacker and have to overpay for him to come in. And I don't know if he's going to fit the system perfectly with the money he's asking for, but I think the Raiders could get creative with that. At least one thing you know about K.J. Wright, he's one of the only players that if you sign him, you could put him in, you could start him if he's in shape for the Monday night game, and he'll know his assignments. He's that good of a player. 702-365-9200, would you make it a priority to get K.J. Wright, or would you go with the depth that the Raiders currently have at linebacker and hope that the depth helps the Raiders out and the Raiders can live with this depth and the younger players that they have. I'm not a big fan of that. I don't think that against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, week one and two, you're going to hope for young players like Divine Diablo to step in and play well at a high level. They've never played an NFL game. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that. So we just came out of break with a touchdown by Trey Lance, who played well, and Jimmy Garoppolo did not play well at all. Jimmy Garoppolo stunk up the joint. And there was a tip ball that could have been a catch, but it turned out to be an interception for Garoppolo. So Kyle Shanahan was asked after the game about the status of Jimmy G being a starter in week one. No, I'm not making that announcement. Let's try it <laughs> whenever I feel like it. <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> so there's a big storyline in the NFL now. People want answers on this. And remember, Kyle Shanahan played very close to the vest when they drafted Trey Lance. They went out and drafted them. They downplayed that pick. And then they took them, and they wanted to keep it quiet, and they wanted to test their building up in Santa Clara to see if anybody was going to leak that information. And they wanted him all along. They went to Trey Lance's workout, and it just blew him away. And that's what Kyle Shanahan wants. He had Matt Ryan for years in Atlanta. They should have won a Super Bowl up 28-3 to against New England and Tom Brady and couldn't do it. And now with Jimmy Garoppolo, they have a chance to be very good but I think Kyle Shanahan's looking at Trey Lance saying, wow, this kid is a wizard. I could have him for five, six, seven, eight years or more, and I got to get him on the field now. More from Shanahan on the quarterback situation heading into week one. I haven't seen that. You know, I would love for um, it to be more and more each week, but, you know, I think the situation is pretty similar right now. I think he's already made his decision. He's just not telling anybody what the decision is. It's going to be one of two things with the decision. The decision is going to come down to he's going with Lance and he doesn't want to have this media firestorm in the Bay Area, a major market building, or he's just going to wait till after the Raider game coming up this Sunday 
as they'll go after each other. And if Lance plays well and Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo needs to bounce back against the Raiders because Derek Carr is not going to play. Garoppolo, you would think, would get a quarter or so because he's competing against Trey Lance. That's the way I see it. But I would sit Trey Lance because as I looked at the Niners' schedule coming up this year, it's important that the Niners bring this kid along slow because Trey Lance didn't play at a high level when it came to competition at North Dakota State. That, that wasn't a lot of reps he got up there. And the Niners open up at the Lions and at the Eagles. That's a good schedule on the road. So if they can win against the uh, Lions and the Eagles with Jimmy Garoppolo, they'd be 2-0 and and they'd come home for their home opener. And that would be against the Packers. I think you want to give Jimmy Garoppolo a chance at home to play Aaron Rodgers before you go Trey Lance. And then right after that, they play the Seahawks, which is another team with a better record than them in the division. So I think you give Jimmy Garoppolo the first four games. Lions, Eagles on the road, Packers, Seahawks at home. If he doesn't go 3-1 and one or at least 2-2, two and two, you bench him, and then you start bringing in Trey Lance at the Cardinals, Colts at the Bears, Cardinals again. And then he could build up some rhythm and maybe get rolling here. Ben Roethlisberger played. Again, I tied into Derek Carr not playing. Ben Roethlisberger, a future Hall of Famer, playing for Pittsburgh. Here's a 46-yard touchdown pass. Throws it on a crossing route to Najee. Najee stiff arms a man, turns it upfield. He's in the clear at the 35-30, 25-20. Sidesteps a man at the 15, and he's out of bounds near the 10-yard line. What a move by Najee Harris as he took that shallow pass over the middle left to right, and he did a little dance to do the rest. All right, that's Ben Roethlisberger on Steelers Radio and Najee Harris playing to start off the preseason there. They're trying to get these guys possessions and touches along the way. Uh, one more soundbite I wanted to play off the weekend, Teddy Bridgewater. These are soundbites I'm playing of opponents of the Raiders, either in the preseason or regular season. And we're going to see Bridgewater trying to get that starting job over Drew Locke. He had a 35-yard touchdown. Bridgewater steps up, completes it. Into the open field, Jerry Judy down inside the five-yard line. Big play for the Broncos on fourth down. So if you look at what's happening here and who's playing and what's going on, guys are competing. Guys are competing on teams. You know, the Denver Broncos have better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Raiders. So I'm noticing some media movement on Denver, but they got to figure out what they're going to do with that quarterback position. And that quarterback position is going to be a big decision coming up here. And one more quarterback soundbite from Justin Fields. You know, Justin Fields is getting standing ovations when he comes in for the Chicago Bears. He's a mature kid who's competing for that job against Andy Dalton, and he doesn't think that all these fans rooting for him is fair to Andy Dalton. The fans are awesome getting me out there, but they also have to realize, you know, Andy's a human being too. Andy's out there on the field right now. So I really just think it's kind of disrespectful to Andy, you know, them cheering, cheering my name out like that. They have to, you know, trust in coach to, you know, make sure he's making the right decisions, you know, just cheer Andy on. Like there's no, that's not helping Andy uh, play better than cheering my name. That's that's not doing none of that. So my advice to them would be just cheer uh, for, for who's out there playing on the field. Yeah, that's a really re- mature comment 
from a kid who's ready to play quarterback and might play quarterback sooner than uh, later. They got an interesting schedule coming up, too, where they want to bring him along slowly. 702-365-9200. Feels like vacation around here today. I got my A game. I got my Karma Holmes A game. We got big topics, everybody. A bunch of Raiders are hurt. We're talking about the depth of this team. Let's hear from some Raider fans on what. You're the season ticket holder paying for these tickets against Baltimore. You want K.J. Wright, or do you want to wait for the linebackers to get healthy and jeopardize possibly these first two games against future Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Ben Roethlisberger's going to the Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. And Lamar Jackson's on a Hall of Fame track early in his career with his rushing yards and an early MVP Big decisions coming up for the Raiders. JT for, for Modelo. Uh, great to see Modelo all over the Raiders Tavern and Grill. They're the official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Brewed as a model of what good beer should be. Modelo Especial is a rich, full-flavored Pilsner-style lager delivering a crisp, refreshing taste. Brewed with the fighting spirit since 1925. I have a bucket of Modelo's at the end of the week, and you better believe that'll be my pregame or part of it. Going into Guns N' Roses Friday night. Guns N' Roses Friday night at Allegiant Stadium. If you went to SummerSlam, I'm not into wrestling. Some people are. If you brought the kids or went, let me know how that went too at the home of the Raiders there. I know people are complaining about some issues with cash lists and how to get in with all that. I told you months ago, it's going to be a work in progress until they get this down. These are all dress rehearsals for the staff at Allegiant Stadium. And I wish them nothing but the best. They got a tough job during COVID, really difficult job, and those people are working their ass off to make that experience as good as they can. Maury Brown's going to join us. We have a baseball hit lined up on what's happening in Major League Baseball. The A's and the Giants in that Battle of the Bay. A couple other teams. Yankees are going to play Atlanta coming up. That's a big deal. And several other pennant race storylines. The Padres are real, and they fired their pitching coach. And Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th home run. Where does he stand all time on the slugging list? That's next. The 0-2 pitch, Naquin swings, hits a high, deep drive, right center field, way back, and gone. Tyler Naquin with his second home run today. 3-1 Reds. Reds are turning it around. Baseball, we talk all sports on this show, especially if Raider Nation's quiet like today. Got a great guest coming up here in a minute from Forbes. Maury Brown joins us, but the Reds uh, making a run in the wild card race. Remember, they have a wild card. It used to be one team. Now it's two teams can make the wild card, and the wild card teams in baseball play in a one-game playoff. And that is changing right now as the Yankees have been surging, the Padres are reeling, and I mentioned Cincinnati as we welcome in Maury Brown, great baseball insider, been on with me for well over a decade. Maury, good to talk to you from Forbes. And, you know, my big takeaway from this past weekend was Cincinnati jumping over the Padres for the second wild card spot. What about you? Yeah, I mean, that is kind of the story that's kind of been, you know, we were talking about Miguel Cabrera a lot. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Padres have been really locked in for the longest time. Um, you know, they, they're they having to go up against the Dodgers. And, and uh, you know, so it's never going to be t- easy that way, uh, them going up to, uh, against the Phillies and having how it's been going with them. So, 
Look, I mean, you know, the way that the the Reds were basically faced up against a team that, of course, isn't doing very well this year, you know, they go through and I think they swept. So, yeah, I mean, that has always been kind of the case. We've been kind of watching um, the Reds for a a couple of years now and wondering when they might be able to do something. So if they weren't going to win the NL Central outright, then you had to look to them to try and sneak in in the wild card. And my question is going to be whether the Padres get this thing turned around or not. I mean, they're just in a heck of a funk right now. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of baseball left in the, in this whole thing. And so it's kind of been an interesting thing to watch over the last week or so. Cannot believe the Padres tell the Giants by 13 games. And the Giants with winning two in a row, seven out of their last ten. They need to play at that level because the Dodgers – have won nine out of their last ten. So even with the Dodgers playing so hot, they really just picked up one game on the Giants, and they're still three back in the loss column. Yeah, and that's, I think, the big the biggest story in baseball this year is that nobody has been paying attention to the Giants. And this has been a remarkable thing. I mean, at for, for look, more than half the season, everybody was looking at the Red Sox and going, how did this happen? How did we, you know, somehow miss this? How could they be this good? Well, they've seemed to have fallen back to earth here a little bit recently. So the Giants, though, have consistently have remained solid. And I look at guys, you know, like Buster Posey, who's having a heck of a season this year, right? And guys like Wilmer Flores, the whole team has just been fantastic. And again, everybody's talking about the Dodgers, and they're quietly going about their business in San Francisco and, you know, having to face up with them in, in the division fight and doing a heck of a job of it. So... Look, I know everybody's been talking about the Dodgers because of what they, you know, A, what they did at the trade deadline, and then B, you know, the amount of money that they've spent over the last few seasons. But uh, they're going to be in a heck of a position. if they, They've got to go through San Francisco to try and get back to the World Series. Even though they're built for the postseason, I think the Dodgers, of course, are going to have a heck of a battle, uh, you know, just going up against San Francisco. Maury Brown joins us, senior contributor at Forbes covering baseball. Braves are amazing. Nine in a row here. They have a plus 92 differential. Everyone else in the National League East has a negative differential. Phillies, negative 22 in runs. Mets, negative 24. I mean, the Braves without Ronald Acuna Jr. Something happened within this organization. They do have leadership. Freddie Freeman, I look around top to bottom in that organization, especially their middle relief and their bullpen. It's a fascinating story how Atlanta's got some breathing room now, up five to the Phillies in the NL East. Yeah, and they look really solid in the postseason last year. And I don't think that, any, you know, there was this idea at the beginning of the year that it was going to be a dogfight. Well, look, I mean, either the injury bug, you know, with the Mets, clearly, and then, you know, the Nationals just completely fell apart. Well, we had the fire sale with them, you know, with all the trades that were made. So it's really boiled down to them to for for the Braves to lose it, and they're not going to. I mean, they're going to be there. They're going to hang around, as you mentioned, that run differential, which is a striking thing, right? I mean, it's one thing to, you know, eke out a couple of one-run games, right, and still hang around with a little bit of a negative run differential, but you don't stay that way for very long. And so, you know, again, I think that the Braves are going to win the NL East. They're, they've had a very good rotation for a couple of seasons now. So, again, I look at them as, you know, the team that could potentially be, you know, in the NLCS. I, I don't see why we couldn't be talking about that. 
Maury Brown joins us. This is one of the hottest Yankee stretches in Yankee history. And that says a lot in the month of August and what they've done since losing the Field of Dreams game and the, the streak they've been on. Do you think they have enough to catch the Rays or they're going to be fortunate to be the one wild card and get that one game in the Bronx? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. And so, look, is it possible? Absolutely. Are they going to keep this streak up? I don't know. I mean, the thing that's, I think, more important than anything about this, right, whether they keep the streak going, and they're not going to do it for the rest of the season. We all know that, right? But the big thing was, I don't know if it was the water. I don't know if it was picking up Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. They needed left-handed bats. But from the time the tread day deadline hit till now, they've gone on a tear. And so, look, I mean, there was every, you know, it's Yankee fans. Everybody was asking for Brian Cashman's head. And for Aaron Boone's head. And you can't say that now. They're there. So, again, baseball, I don't know why fans do this. You know, they lose their mind in June. And here we are in August, right? And they're like, oh, no, now they're doing great. So now we can stick with them. It, it again, you always worry whether the, the hot streak hits a little bit too soon. But if they can remain consistent, I, you know, it's going to be close for the AL East. The, they would be happy at this point, I think just to have that number one wild card spot. But it's the Yankees. I mean, the fans won't be happy unless they go all the way and win the World Series. So, hey, we can all root. You know, I'm, I'm me, I'm going, I want to buy Coastal World Series. A Dodgers-Yankees World Series, sure. Is it going to happen? And, you know, I think teams like the Astros in the AL uh, West might have something to say about that. But, look, I mean, it's always good to have the Yankees in the playoffs picture, and they're there now. Yeah, Maury's got a great new column since the trade deadline. Yankees have hit a home run with TV and streaming numbers. That's all his pin tweet and all the other great content that he has up there. And he was talking about me as the crazy Yankee fan because I threw this team under the bus. I was all over Boone. Five, six times I wanted him fired, and I thought he deserved to be fired. I thought this team was terrible for most of the year. And now they got their legs underneath them, and a couple of the moves really bailed them out. Maury, put in perspective what Cabrera has done as a right-handed power hitter. You break down numbers as good as anybody. As a triple crown type guy, Williams Mantle, what he did with the Marlins, a 310 batting average throughout his life, 310, 311, to win two batting titles and have 500 home runs. Where does this put him as an all-time player? Well, he's going into the Hall of Fame, and if he doesn't go in first ballot, you know, then he's going to go in shortly after. Look, I mean, he's one of two guys, right? And there's, you know, there's Albert Pujols with over 600 home runs, and now you have Cabrera. Nelson Cruz is number three. He would need probably two more seasons to try and get to the 500 club. So that tells you kind of the elite class that he is in with active players. He probably won't get to 6,000 hits this year. He would have to be really hot to do that. But he should probably do it next season, and there's a, probably a good chance that, once again, he'll be playing next year. He's 41, I think, you know, so he's not, you know, any spring chicken anymore. Um, but, again, he's been one of these guys that's just been, I think, fantastic for the game. He's hilarious to watch. I mean, he's just, a, you know, he kind of goofs around a little bit. But, you know, he his time in, in when he was with then Florida – was amazing. It was one of the most incredible things. I think he homered in his first game. Yeah. And he just seems to be one of those guys 
that has always been there. Now, of course, he's a little bit older now, so it's taken a little bit more time. And, of course, the Tigers have been terrible. But, you know, I, I just sit there and look. There are very few players that are like that. You mentioned the Triple Crown, and that's something that's just not easy to do anymore. So um, he is going to go down, I think, once again. Is, you know, is he going to be in the same conversation with some of the all-time grades? I don't know. But he's certainly going to be in the conversation – of the greats of this era. And he's going to absolutely go, you know, lickety split into Cooperstown. Again, I get back to this. I would be, you know, look, by the time he's on the ballot, I'll have a hall of fame vote. He would get me, you know, he's absolutely going to get my vote. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that there's a very good shot at him going in first ballot. I would say so too. Biz ball. Maury is where you find Maury Brown. Finally, Maury, I think this is an interesting time with baseball over the next two weeks. The NFL is dead. I mean, these preseason games are a joke. No one's playing. It's never been worse. The NFL has shut it down. They're barely competing in the preseason. And baseball's got these great pennant races. And then you know what happens. NFL starts week one. It's going to be off the charts. Everyone's going to be focused on college football, the NFL. Diehard baseball fans will be watching baseball. We know that. But a lot of the casual fans will be heading over to the NFL. What does baseball need to do to market this sport the next two weeks and gear everybody up for the playoffs? Well, continue to have good baseball. I mean, look, again, I you want, you know, look, I just, as a baseball writer, right, all I want are the good teams. I don't care, you know, if you, you, that's all you ask for. Look, you want to be able to have big audiences, then, you know, your big brands and your stars are in there. You know, the Angels aren't going to be there. There's going to be no Mike Trout. There's going to be no Shohei Otani. You're not going to have that. But you are going to probably see the Yankees in there, and you're going to see the Dodgers in there, and you're going to have it basically spread out across some big brands, and that helps. It doesn't help that the Cubs really are bad. You know, that doesn't help. But, again, it it always boils down to um, how those markets play out. And, of course, if they go the long series play, you're never going to compete with the NFL. They are really their own universe, and I, 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 I get that. It is a supply and demand thing. You basically, although the NFL has now spread games out over the week, for the most part, you have a very short slate of games, and that builds up you know, interest in it. So you're, you're never going to beat that. I mean, the big thing for baseball now, once again, would be, you know, to have a really good World Series, have it hopefully go seven games. I mentioned a Yankees-Dodgers game. But the other thing that's lurking around the corner here, and if baseball wants to continue to grow, the labor deal expires December 1st. They have got to figure out a way to once again reach a new labor deal and keep, you know, everything rolling into 2022. That's the most, I think, the thing that is going to be more important than anything that happens in the postseason, it's what happens in the off season that's really going to matter this year. I don't think we're going to see a lockout. I know, I know that if we do have a lockout, I don't think there will ever affect any games. You know, the owners lost money in 2020 due to the pandemic. You know, even the start of this year, so they're they're not going to want to have that happen. And I think that everybody understands that you know you don't want to kill the golden goose at this point. Absolutely, always great talking to you, Maury. Talk to you in a couple of weeks as we get closer to the playoffs. Always appreciate your time. All right, man. You take care of yourself. Thank you so much for having me. Always, Maury. Thank you. Uh, Maury Brown. Follow him at Forbes. Bizball Baseball as we take a look at all sports on this show, including Manny Pacquiao's fight. I said this. This was the first time I did not watch Manny Pacquiao live. 
in Las Vegas because we had a Raider game that night at the M, and I missed that. And you know, part of the job and having this job, which I'm proud to have, but I missed the Pacquiao fight, and I know a lot of people went to it, and it was a really good fight, and Pacquiao lost to Ugas in a tight, tight fight, but Ugas won the fight. I went back and watched it. He deserved it, but that was a really big opportunity, huge opportunity uh, for this talent to have a, probably the last Manny Pacquiao fight unless he gets an opportunity through Al Heyman to fight Earl Spence again, which I think he should. Manny Pacquiao could have shut it down and just taken some time off and waited Farrell Spence to get healthy from his from his eye injury and what he, the procedure he had done, but he took a fight on with the champion. He took and he lost. So I don't think that Pacquiao should be thrown to the side. I think he should be rewarded for that. I want to wrap up the show with some John Gruden comments coming off the game, really about Nate Hobbs to start off with. The Raiders have found a guy, and I know it's only preseason, so I don't go crazy, but Gruden's excited about Hobbs and his ability to come in and play big with that energy level when they needed him. Yeah, if you watch it carefully, he played nickel to start the game and did excellent there. And then um, we moved him outside. We have some corners hurt. Damon Arnett couldn't go tonight. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon went went out early. So he went outside and played very well and made some impact plays. And I don't usually give out game balls for preseason victories, but Nate Hobbs got one tonight, well-deserved. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Give out a game ball. It's a guy who's never played in an NFL game. He's got something to build on. Give him a game ball and make him feel great about his accomplishments. Life's short. Have that. Guys get injured. Look what happened to Javin White. Get a chance to give a guy a game ball. Do it. Uh, Gruden talked about the it factor and why Hobbs is fitting in nicely. I'm really proud of him. I'm really excited to see what he does in his future. I think we tried to summarize him a couple days ago. He has the it factor. He rarely makes the same mistake twice. He loves football. He eats it up, and he's he's one of the energizers of our defense. He's walked in here and given us a lot of skills that we can utilize, certainly. They need that. They need those skill position defensive players that they don't have to develop and take years to live up to the hype. And maybe Hobbs, it's going to be faster. He's not playing starters. So when Hobbs plays in the regular season, he might get burned, might make a mistake. But everybody knows that he has that it factor coming in from the organization which was a good thing. Gruden talking about Leatherwood getting another opportunity, and Leatherwood on that right tackle and what's coming ahead. We were happy with Leatherwood. Um, we wanted to see him do a couple more things tonight. He was the only starter, really, that, that went. We didn't let Andre James play, but um, we like what Alex is doing, and I think he got a couple series or most of the first quarter and, and fared pretty good. I'm interested in the defensive tackle position and the push that they're going to get up the middle. Gruden talked about Phylon's game and how he's developing as a player that they're obviously going to need. He's, he's in the mix for a lot of playing time. He can play nose. He can play three technique. We're going to get Gerald McCoy on the grass this year for the first time. So with Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, Phylon, McCoy, we have a chance to improve our inside rush, which is something that uh, we have to do in this league. So I think Phylon has done well, consistently well, and another big play tonight. And one more from John Gruden on Marcus Mariota and what's going on with Mariota. When are are we going to see Marcus Mariota play in some of these games? And again, nicked up going into this, and that would have been a good game for him to play. I mean, nobody in their right mind as a fan wants to see Mariota sit out preseason games. I mean, what's the use of having if he's not going to play in the regular season much and you're not going to use him in the preseason? Gruden talked about it. 
He's just not ready to go physically. You know, he, he competed against the Rams, but he's limited. You know, we're not calling plays for him right now with, with the lack of limitation. He's got a quad strain. We think he's got a chance to play against the 49ers. But the way he plays, uh, we do not want to get him out in a live situation and let him cut it loose. He's just not ready to go. And um, he was ready tonight on an emergency basis, but right now he's just not ready to go. Yeah, so there you go. He likes Mariota, but he also likes players. He also likes players who are available. I want to end this show on a sad note. Jimmy Hayes died, a 31-year-old former NHL player. Played seven seasons with four teams. And the reason I know Jimmy Hayes is I was on his podcast and he was on this show. Jimmy Hayes was up in Tahoe with me when we had the outdoor game, the Winter Classic. And he is working with Hall Pass Media. And Albert Hall comes on. He's one of the co-founders of Summer League. And Albert said, hey, man, I want you to have Jimmy on your show and the podcast that they do. I said, sure, I would love to. And I put him on the podcast, and we had a great time, and I went on their podcast, and we talked sports. And the guy had a nice career. Played for the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs where he was drafted, and, again, the Rangers. So he's around the league. And the, the part of the story is the first time I met him was in Tahoe in the lobby. And we had a beer. And then later on that night, I had a suite. And I had a bunch of friends in town. We were going skiing. We had a ski trip. So we had people in my room. And we had a bar and we were having beers. And Jimmy showed up. Jimmy Hayes showed up. He said, yeah, JT, you told me to come. I said, absolutely. And we had a couple beers in my room. And I just got the news. And it's a big story out of the NHL that Jimmy Hayes passed away at the age of 31. Uh, leaving behind his wife, Kristen, and his sons, Bo and Mac. Really sad. A 31-year-old guy was really good with media and had a great career in front of him as a hockey analyst and a podcaster and all that. Passed away. Jimmy Hayes, born in 1989. 1989. A new friend of mine who I was planning on seeing a bunch going forward. Rest in peace, Jimmy. Good life. Good life lived. And sad story today. Uh, Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Maury Brown who joined us. Once a Raider, always a Raider. We always appreciate when we do that segment. Brought to you by the M. That's a lot of fun. And we'll be back tomorrow with big shows the rest of the week. Guns and Roses on Friday. And the Raiders. I'll be out at practice one or two days this week. I'll be hosting the show in the facility on Wednesday. So we got a lot lined up. And my brand new podcast with the Raiders. We're going to be able to tell you about it at some point this week, which I'm excited about. I think you're going to love it because you're going to love the topic of the podcast. We'll tell you about that later this week. Have a great day. Q and to Vinny Bonsignor, Raider Nation Radio. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.